Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Well, the band is back together for the first time in 2022 as we take a break from our 2021 season deep dive series uh, and bring back the great Michael Garrell to discuss some of the hottest topics from around the CFL offseason thus far. Mike, how are you doing, my friend? I'm not bad. It's nice to be back, although I never really left. I just want to commend you on a great job with the latest two shows there. I enjoyed them very much. Yes, a lot of fun so far with the uh, the team by team deep dive series. Uh, we, we've covered the Bombers, we've covered the Elks. A couple of great guests for those. Um, last episode, I did tease that there may be another edition of that this week. I do have to say, unfortunately, that is not the case. I thought I was going to fit two episodes in, but uh, just was not able to uh, secure a guest for this week to do so. So. Uh, the offseason, the, the deep dive series will be back next week is the plan for that. So stay tuned there. But uh, you get the real treat here today of uh, the, the dynamic duo back together once again, talking CFL. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've we've chatted here on the podcast, Mike. I think the last time was uh, right before the holidays. Uh, how are the holidays and uh, how have the last couple of weeks been? Yeah, it's, it's been busy as always. You, you know, you know my daily life probably better than a lot of people. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it's been good. Uh, COVID has thrown a wrench into a few things, but uh, adapt and uh, keep going, I suppose. Yeah, that is that is kind of unfortunately what we're stuck doing, right? Uh, I think COVID's thrown a wrench in a lot of different things in a lot of different places. Uh throughout uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, let's dive right into some of the off-season topics. We're going to chat about what's gone on in the past month or so since the CFL season ended, hit kind of the hottest topics uh, in our minds, at least among uh, the flurry of activity so far. I think we've seen a fair bit of activity uh, to this this point in the offseason, obviously, it's going to ramp up more as we make our way towards the February 8th free agency period. Um, but a number of big name signings so far. Uh, let's start off with the local team here. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what the Bombers have done thus far this offseason? Well, I, I, I think, you know, Ryan job one. I'm not sure if we talked about this on the last podcast. I don't believe this came out. Uh, I don't believe this came out on the last podcast we were talking. But with every team, there is stability. And the Bombers, by and large, have brought back their, you know, their guys at the top. I, I know, you know, Wade Miller was under contract. Um this year, as was uh, Michael Shea, and then they brought back Ted Govaya and Danny McManus, uh, the two assistant general managers on, I think they were two-year contracts. Um, so they kind of got that done right away. Um, I know that uh, Ted Govaya was a 
finalist for the general manager's job in Edmonton, and I think he interviewed in Ottawa, um, but wound up actually coming back to Winnipeg. And, you know, I think as much as everything on the field is significant with the signings so far, um, those two guys being Kyle Walter's right-hand man, um, you know what, there's something about, you know, keeping the continuity at the top. I mean, Danny McManus oversees the uh, the U.S. scouting, and Ted Dovaya has a, a pretty significant role that, you know, isn't called general manager, but it seems to be a real group effort between the, the three of them. Uh, not to say that, you know, they... they they wouldn't have had suitable replacements, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, stability at the top and Michael Shea and all this stuff about him, you know, going to Edmonton for the dual role, which I think had some merit, but I mean, it's why would you want to leave Winnipeg? And I, I, I think if you can cultivate that, if you can cultivate that up at the top, I think it's going to feed its way uh, down the roster, such as we've seen. So part of, you know, all of these signings that we've seen to date, the happiest uh, signings for me have been Ted Govaya and Danny McManus because they are going to be critical pieces if the Blue Bombers cannot bring everybody back to be able to find suitable players. Uh, to fill spots in the roster, and it already looks like the depth of that offensive line is going to be put to good use. Drew Desjardins, I don't know if he signed with the NFL yet, but that sounds like that's imminent if he hasn't already. Um, So the team was kind of proactive in that situation. And they already signed Jeff Gray to a two-year contract extension. I think that's just plug-and-play type of scenario. Um, So much as it sucks to lose Judas Early, Jeff Gray is more than capable. I think he's a starter on just about every other uh, CFL team last year, uh, except Winnipeg. you know what? It, it's it, it's been a good off season, and it sounds like there's more to come. Yeah, I, I've been very impressed with how they've tackled things so far. Uh, you mentioned the the extensions for the assistant general managers. That's huge to me as well. Uh, they kind of started the off season off with a couple smaller moves. You know, Nick Hallett uh, contract extension, Jake Thomas coming back for his tenth season with the Bombers. That makes me so happy. Uh, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the CFL. You know, he contributes steadily. He doesn't miss games. He he makes the big plays at, in important moments. Uh, happy to see him back. Uh, then kind of early at the start of the new year, that's when we got some of the big fish uh, coming back. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, a huge re-addition on the offensive line. I know I think Pat Newfelt has re-signed there as well. On the defensive line, arguably two of the biggest free agents to be had this offseason were Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, uh, the two kind of pillars of that Bombers defensive line. And being able to bring both of them back for another e- year each, 
that that's so huge, especially to get that wrapped up kind of early enough in the off season where there aren't really question marks. Uh, will they stay? Will they go? Um, I, the most interesting one to me was actually Jackson Jeffcoat. I know in his press conference had kind of talked about, um, yeah, he was planning on testing free agency, but then uh, after a week of negotiations with the Bombers, they really made him feel like they, they needed him. They wanted him. He was uh, an important piece of this team and he ended up coming back for another season. So, uh, you know, chalk that up to the continuity uh, and kind of what you were saying earlier uh, about, you know, why would you want to leave Winnipeg when things have been going as well as they have been for the last couple of years and a nice fit there for a guy like Jackson Jeffcoat. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it says an awful lot when, and I'm not going to quote the guy that said this because I, I, I don't know who it is and I don't want to misspeak, but there's a common theme that you see about guys wanting to be here. Um, there can there are days in the not too distant past where bombers would have no free agent re-signing because their culture was just not great under previous regimes. And I think there is something to be said about the Michael Shea, Tendo Via, Danny McManus, Trio, Wade Miller. And I believe the way they treat players has a contractual monetary value that goes just beyond the extra dollars and cents that, you know, these players take. And it's it's one thing to say, okay, you know what, you want to go to the market in the case of Justin Jeffcoat, but let's just say, hypothetically speaking, it's within five to ten thousand dollars you know, when you go to the market, you could maybe make five or ten grand more or fifteen grand more. It's great to see that these players would rather have a comfort level over, you know, what would be presumably a pay raise on the market. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think when this is all said and done, we're going to be looking at pennies remaining instead of dollar bills as far as, you know, being close to the tap and, you know, the Bombers tapologist. I don't, I don't know who that is, whether that's Walters or one of the GMs is just going to have to put his creative mind together and try to keep as much of this together as possible. And I think it just cultivates what they've been building and made no mistake, whatever they lose in free agency, they will probably gain back in players from other teams uh, with this sales pitch that Willie Jefferson seems to have of come on down to Winnipeg. Uh, made no mistake, Ryan, players talk to each other and, the entire CFL is on notice about what's going on uh, in in Winnipeg. And that's why I'm not overly concerned. I understand and have resigned to the fact that we're going to lose players, but 
I'm not as concerned about, you know, where those replacements are going to come from because of the rock-solid track record that this regime has. And it's just part of it. The winds have changed. You've won two championships. Uh, you expect there to be retirements. Uh, you've won two championships, you know, in three years. But, you know, keeping a team together after winning the championship is difficult enough. Um, you know, I, I'm really excited about the potential. And it's I don't lay awake at night worried about our guys going to come back. What is our team going to look like? This management team has shown to me that they know exactly what they're doing and they find these pieces that nobody really knows about at the beginning of the season. But in the biggest moments of the season, you know who these guys are, such as knocking a ball out of a guy's hand and taking away a game-winning touchdown and, and finding an NFL opportunity as a result. That's all on so I'm just very, very excited with what they've done to date and what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. I, I like the approach thus far of focusing on the trenches. You know, they've locked up most of the offensive line. You mentioned Drew Desjardins uh, likely going to the NFL, but a good uh, fill-in in Jeff Gray, who's been waiting his time patiently there. Most of the defensive line has been re-signed. I, I think there is some risk, you know, Steven Richardson uh, testing free agency may lose a big piece there, but uh, you've got some depth uh, along the line there as well to fill in. And, you know, particularly the offensive line, bringing a bunch of them back early, like that's a real motivator for say a guy like Zach Caleros to want to re-sign here in Winnipeg. Uh, among other things, is, you know, playing for arguably the best offensive line, if not one of them, in the CFL uh, and having that, you know, extra protection. And while Caleros himself has been fantastic in his time in Winnipeg, I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the success of, uh, of Caleros, uh, of Matt Nichols, when he was the quarterback here the past couple of years, uh, a large part of that is due to the impressive play of the offensive line in front of them. So I like that focus on bringing that back first. And uh, we'll see where the other chips land here for the Bombers, uh, including, as I mentioned, Zach Caleros. Uh, lots of chatter on uh, what hitting contract for him may look like. But, Mike, let's move on to some of the other news from around the offseason thus far. Probably the biggest piece of news comes out of Edmonton. Uh, where it is the return of Chris Jones. I think this is something we all saw coming uh, or what basically when he came back to the CFL after I think he was coaching high school somewhere in the States, uh, comes back to the CFL last season, uh, midway through the year, takes over a role uh, on the defensive side of the ball with the Argos. And uh, it was only a matter of time before Chris Jones ended up back in a uh, co head coaching role uh, he takes over head coach. He takes over general manager in Edmonton. Uh, what do you make of this? Yeah, um, I think that that is something. And sorry, I'm kind of kind of laughing at it because um, it in my mind, and I, I other people might take this the same way. 
But I think a lot of people made that conclusion uh, a few months ago that this was the decision. Uh, I am surprised that it took as long as it did, but the minute Chris Jones came back to the CFL and was this defensive consultant or whatever he was with the Ardles, um, I knew right away that that was not going to last long, and that was just kind of a way back into the, the into the lead. Um, and, and to me, it's it's a good hire if you're Edmonton. They need some. They badly need some some credibility back in their organization. Uh, is Chris, had, is, let, let me stop you here. Is Chris Jones and all of his antics really, th- does that match up with credibility? Yeah, I don't know. But they, they just needed something, a big splash to get back on the map, you know. And and they they found it and yeah it's not really a surprise um, I I guess whatever was there when he was last there I just was taken care of um, I personally didn't like how he left there in the first place but I I, I don't know it, it's it's the best you could have done I think with the scenario. Um, with the scenario of the coach's cap, which I think, I don't know how I feel about that. If you want to get into a discussion about the coaches, the management cap, which, which I understand why it's there, but yeah, it's just a very difficult thing. And now you get your coach, you get your GM, you get your D coordinator all in one umbrella. And now you basically wait for the roster reconstruction. And, Everybody making a bid, seeming to be in a bit tizzy about, you know, who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be this guy, who's going to be that guy. Uh, they see that, put some nice pieces together, and then uh, Chris Jones goes on, on a media outlet and, they, and he's asked, you know, who's your quarterback going to be? And the response kind of tongue-in-cheek was, it's January, and... You know, there's a lot of questions. We need a lot of answers over there. And it sounds like they're taking a step in the right direction uh, when it comes to potentially hiring a new president. Uh, if the reports are to be believed, uh, this is a this is somebody that uh, is ready for the job, but was the runner up for the job uh, the last time around and seems to be singing the praises of the fan base. So we'll see if uh, that comes to fruition. And we'll see, hopefully, a better product for the outs on, on the field, led by what I think is an instantly, instantly credible coach. Now, the debate remains whether he can st- whether he'll stick out the length of his contract. Uh, he says he will, but uh, personally, I have a hard time believing that one. Uh, at this moment yeah and you know my joke earlier about chris jones credibility his ability to to you know lead a team to success uh definitely credible absolutely i was more so making the joke about uh you know some of his antics like 
right when he took over this uh, as GM uh, about a month ago and like a week later decided to go and call out Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo in the media saying he didn't think he was uh, he was as great uh, of a quarterback necessarily uh, to paraphrase. Uh, Now he was trying to hype up uh, Stephen McAdoo, who he brings back as one of his coaches. But it was a bit of a bizarre way to do so. I'm happy to have Chris Jones back in the CFL uh, in a more prominent role. I think he's really fun. Uh, he makes the league interesting, um, and I agree with you. I don't. I don't know if he's sticking around long term, but I think it's a good short term hire there. I also really like the addition of G. Roy Simon as assistant general manager. I think this is you know a fantastic former player here. Uh, in the CFL. He's been in BC's front office since 2015, was kind of their director of global and uh, U.S. regional scouting uh, most recently. Uh, I think this is an excellent addition to the front office there. Uh, And I'm excited to see what this tandem of uh, Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon put together in Edmonton. It's going to look different. They've already released a, you know, a number of guys that were with the team in prominent roles last season. And uh, I think we'll see a, a very different Elks team hit the field next year. You have to. And here's the interesting part. With the CFL free agency set up the way it is, um, you know, the, this team could get uh, winning a lot of football games in an awful lot of hurry, which would uh, – how about the business side, which uh, seemed to be in talking to some people out there, uh, very, very lackluster was the word, but one of uh, somebody that I know of it is a diehard uh, Edmonton football fan. Wasn't it that we pleased with the fan experience last year? Um, winning fixes a lot of problems, and just to see the reaction of players on social media the day that Chris Jones was hired uh, speaks to what I think Chris Jones is as a football uh, coach. Sure, he rubbed a lot of people in Regina the wrong way when he had the one day where he released the John Chips, the Western Dresslers, uh, those type of players, fan favorites in... in uh, one day, but I'll tell you something. Chris Jones is not in a mood to be your friend. And to get results, he's got to do what he's got to do. The track record speaks for itself. And him pitting on Cody Pichardo, by the way, good way to ignite a rivalry. What's that discussion going to be the game week that uh, the first time the Riders go to Edmonton or Edmonton goes to the Riders, I'm not I'm not sure which which comes first, but everybody's gonna be talking about it, and that's one thing where I think the CFL could have free marketing if it wanted to is. To me, I believe the CFL is too friendly from time to time. There's not that, oh, very much of, oh, this guy said that in the media, and it translates to game week. It gets into both dressing rooms, and it's an actual, you know, prove it on the field, right? And that's just a piece of pre-marketing that I don't know if that was intentionally placed, um, 
it's good to have that, and we need more of that within reason. Uh, don't go to the extent of throwing somebody under the bus or, you know, disrespecting them in any way. But some friendly fire is much needed. And as far as I'm concerned, more please. I saw I saw a joke. I think it was on Twitter at some point. Uh, I don't remember from where, but uh, that uh, this was just Chris Jones's. Uh, weird roundabout way of lowering Cody Fajardo's trade value so that he could go and trade for him to be his starting quarterback. Uh, and I don't think that's obviously a legit thing that happened here, but wouldn't that be uh, an interesting approach from uh, a guy who has a lot of them? And I'm excited to see what that brings in Edmonton. Uh, the other team that uh, has been looking for a new general manager was the Ottawa Red Blacks after letting go Marcel Desjardins. Uh, and back in December, they uh, they found their guy naming uh, Sean Burke, uh, spent a lot of time with the Ticats organization, wasn't, I believe, an assistant general manager there. He goes over to be the general manager in Ottawa. Uh, do you like this choice for the Red Blacks? I do. I do. Can we get back to that in just a moment, right? We have some significant breaking news as we're recording here. Sure. I've gotten confirmation from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that the club has agreed to a one-year contract extension with all-star linebacker Adam Batehill. Awesome. Wow. I mean, I, I figured it was inevitable, um, but uh, no, that's awesome to get that news mid-podcast. Yes, Bombers, uh, Bombers Twitter account. Uh, just confirming it now as well. So uh, Adam Bakehill, another one of those big pieces back in Winnipeg. Yeah, much, very, 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 very big news. Um, I was just thinking in my head as I was talking about the uh, Bombers earlier, uh, when is Adam Bakehill going to get done? And then I look in... Uh, there's a nice little treat in my inbox. Yeah, the big kill to me was probably, honestly, one of the next guys up in terms of uh, biggest pieces you needed to bring back uh, on this team. I, I think, you know, the combination of, of Jeff Coat, Jefferson, and Big Hill, kind of the big three forces there on defense. And there's tons others, too, of course. Uh, but I think that's those are guys you build a defense around. And sure, there are going to be some pieces that are going to be missing, such as DeAndre Alford, who went to the NFL, signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but the core of that defense is staying intact for another season, and that's awesome to see. And you know what? Adam Big Hill, not only on the field, but off the field, a great part of the community. It's always good to have guys like that back. I'm super excited here in Winnipeg to see the return of Adam Big Hill. Yeah, no, and that's a big piece done. Uh, the remaining, uh, I'm curious what they're going to do with Andrew Harris, but we can leave that for uh, another podcast. But uh, that's just breaking as we're recording right now. Well, that's fun. I love when we get, uh, I love when we get breaking news mid-podcast. Uh, it's happened a time or two before, see, the free agency show, but never... Never news of that magnitude, but I can recall in the history of the podcast. 
Yeah, no, that might be the first one. So uh, I'd say you heard it here first, but by the time this podcast is out, uh, you'll have heard it plenty. So maybe you didn't actually hear it here first, but this is where we heard it first, at least. Yeah, and they call it instant reaction. Yeah. Uh, a plus signing by the, by the uh, management core over there. Yeah. Getting back to our previous topic, the uh, speaking of management cores, uh, you had some thoughts on Sean Burke as general manager in Ottawa. Yeah, you know what? I I really like this. Um, you know, he's a guy that's really well-respected, uh, worked his way up. Honestly, reminds me so much like Kyle Walters. Um, that's whose name jumped out immediately when I read about this. Um but uh, no, it's uh, it's a very good hire. I think Ottawa can turn this around sooner rather than later. Um, my big thing, and I know um, I know that they have a plan. It sounds like they wanted to hire a general manager that would work with Paul Apolise. Uh I believe, personally speaking. Uh, that Paul Apolise has another year or two, just given the state of the franchise in Ottawa at this moment. Uh, you know, they have big questions at quarterback. They have, um, you know, big questions at a lot of positions. Uh, I, I do believe their defense uh, is respectable. Uh, they they held their team in a lot of games uh, last year, and you know you don't hire a a gentleman like this without hearing what the forward plan is. Um, this is not a one year fits. Uh, I don't believe. Um, you know this is an Ottawa team, but I think. If I'm being completely honest, after after some reflection the last couple of weeks, kind of, I, I hate saying this, but I have to say it. It's used free agency to their advantage of being a new team and didn't really have a core in place. Um, you know, they they got an awful lot of success early, but weren't able to sustain it now. Was a lot of that the division that they played in? Maybe. But, you know, it's now they have to kind of strip this down a little bit, uh, take some boards out, and place a very good foundation. And they seem to have found a very good foundational piece uh, in this general manager. They have a, a coach that I think is willing to stick through it. Um, who I think is more than capable of being a a, a great head coach, uh, and I I would imagine that they're in lockstep together. And you know, this from the outside appears like this is some kind of retool, rebuild. I am curious on what part of the plan. I guess during the interviews, what the actual plan was as far as timeline, because I'm assuming one of the interview requirements 
would have been the candidates looking at the state of the franchise and asking the candidates what they thought and how they would go about fixing it. So I'm curious to see exactly how uh, this gentleman sold Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, I think it is, Entertainment and Sports Group, I think, on the prospect of the Ottawa Red Blast long term. And I think position number one of need uh, is quarterback. And based on my observations and based on what's left, I would be very shocked if he didn't turn back to an old friend or that quarterback need. Well, well, this brings one of our other uh, conversation topics into this as well. First of all, I agree. I love Sean Burke as a signing there. You know, he's been an integral part in Hamilton. Uh, the Ticats have been a, a very good team. You know, last, I think it was eight years, uh, they've been to the finals four times. Unfortunately, you know, have not uh, taken home the prize, but they've been to the East finals two other times. Uh, like they, they're cream of the crop in the East division in the past decade, pretty much, uh, would be the tie cats. And I think Sean Burke's been a large part of that. So I think it's a good piece to bring over to Ottawa. I'm excited to see, uh, what he does in that role. And, uh, and I think, yes, the quarterback position is now, of course, the, the next spot everybody's focused in on. And, uh, there was a lot of talk of, you know, okay, well, Hamilton's only going to be able to keep one of Dane Evans or Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, I'm sure Burke will try to, you know, poach one of them over, bring them over to Ottawa with him. Uh, Dane Evans, uh, has re-signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So the Hamilton's going with Dane Evans. That leaves Jeremiah Mazzoli, uh, presumably available. I imagine the Tiger Cats can't fit both under contract for this next season. Um, that leaves Mazzoli available. Now, there's a lot of question marks around, you know, Mazzoli and next season, given, you know, the, the reports, the rumors of his vaccination status. What will that mean for, uh, will he be able to travel to away games next season? And if not, well, well, that could be a big thing where, you know, he may not end up with a job at all because uh, certainly you're not paying starter money to a guy who can only play half the games in the season let's say he, uh, you know, for the, for the sake of this exercise, let's say, you know, Mazzoli is able to go out and play uh, every game next season. I, I, I agree. I think that's, a, a, you know, kind of a number one option to bring in as the starter for Burke in, in Ottawa there. Uh, I think he is one of the top free agent quarterbacks available. Um, and I think, I think Ottawa's got to go out and get a big fish there. I, I think, you know, uh part of retooling is getting getting your guy and i like some of the backups i like some of the options they have as a backup uh you know i thought some of the guys who rotated in last year at uh at quarterback uh like caleb evans for example i thought he showed some promise at times but do i think he is necessarily uh should be the go-to starter for next season no, I'm not there quite yet. So I could I could see Ottawa focusing on trying to bring Mazzoli in, uh, depending on the circumstances. And if not, you know, maybe taking a look at the return of Trevor Harris to Ottawa, who should be one of the other top free agent quarterbacks available. Yeah, to, to me, it just makes too much sense 
Um, I I believe that I believe that Trevor has not lost his game. Um, I think he was a victim of unfortunate circumstances in Edmonton, where for whatever reason he just wasn't himself last year, and. In Montreal, I think he was put in a bit of an impossible situation, um, a very difficult situation nonetheless, uh, joining that team very, very late. And, you know, it just, it brings even more, I guess, perspective of how impressive Zach Polaros was in Winnipeg when you know, he came and played the last game of the season and literally went on that three-week run in November uh, after that to win the Grey Cup. It just made that, I guess, all the more uh, impressive. Um, I'm just willing to chalk last year down to a down year for Trevor Harris. I don't think he's on the back nine of his career. Um you know, the last couple of years. I think he's still got a lot left to offer. And I think it is a starter. And, you know, I'm willing to just chalk it down on the down here. And whoever winds up getting them for the full season is going to have themselves a pretty good quarterback as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. I think uh, it will be interesting to see uh, how he bounces back because he did play some decent ball in Montreal, I thought, down the stretch there uh, after a rough start to the season in Edmonton. Uh, but Sean Burke, it, it, the general manager in Ottawa, the Red Blacks haven't made too many uh, offseason moves thus far uh, that I've, I've seen at least, uh, mostly just rounding out Kind of the football operations staff is what we've seen from them so far. Uh, a couple of guys released, uh, I know, from last season, which is inevitable after a tough year. We'll see uh, where they begin with kind of building things up uh, as we approach free agency over in Ottawa. Um, you know, we've talked uh, a bit about some of the quarterback options there. I guess let's go over to, uh, to the uh, the Dane Evans topic in Hamilton. Um what, what do you think of Dane Evans uh, re-signing as the starter here? I, I love it. I, I think Evans, uh, you know, didn't get a ton of playing time last year due to, you know, starting as the backup, uh, starting as the, uh, you know, getting injured during the season. He comes in in that uh, Eastern final, has a heck of a game there, ends up getting the start in the Grey Cup. It doesn't go well. He leaves due to injury. Mazzoli comes back in. Um, but I think Evans has the capability to be uh, a premier starter in the CFL. Yeah, he, here's the thing that I, and I think I said this to you uh, back at the time when it happened, and I'm, and I'm going to say it again. I think there was one choice for quarterback in Hamilton, Um I'm trying to say this without disrespecting uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli because he's had himself quite a run um, there as well. But this is Dane Evans' team. I think it has been since uh, 
you know, Jeremiah Mazzoli suffered that serious injury in the back half of 19, where it was uh, Dane Evans having a great uh, run and relief, uh, and then ultimately falling short in the great cup. I know that it was mostly Jeremiah Mazzoli this year, which which was surprising. Um, I, I think the two quarterback scenario, the way it's lined up in Hamilton, wasn't exactly conducive to. I, I I don't know if there was issues in the quarterback room. We'll never know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know Jeremiah Mazzoli was an issue or. Dane Evans was an issue, but this, to me, puts the issue to bed of who QB1 is in Hamilton, and I think they made the right call. Uh, I I think this would have been the call regardless. Um, I think Dane Evans has been uh, underlooked a lot. I I think he's in the shadow of Jeremiah Mazzoli and Everything he does is Jeremiah Mazzoli, and he tried his best in that great cup to win it uh, for Hamilton. Uh, He did leave with the injury, which we found out is now something that he had going into the game. Um, I think we're going to see a completely different Dane Evans, uh, one that's not in the shadow of okay, is my job on the line if I don't perform well on this drive and am I constantly looking over my shoulder? As nice as a 1A and 1B scenario is that quarterback, Ryan, it can also be... uh, Distracting isn't the right word. Um, It can cause some questions amongst the team. Perhaps who is the quarterback on a week-in and week-out basis um, but this to me, I think is the right call for the Tiger Cats. It's the right call for Dane Evans, and I'm absolutely excited uh, to see Dane Evans be the undisputed number one. And you know, it's no disrespect to Jeremiah Mazzoli, but it it always was, no matter what, going to be one or the other. And I I think they made the right call. And time will tell. And to me, Dane Evans has done enough to warrant a look at number one. And I I see no problems with this. And I am excited to see the Tiger Cats continue to be one of the premier teams in the East Division with Dane Evans, a quarterback who I don't think this, I think it just scratched the surface of who he is as a quarterback. And I consider Dane Evans, I'm going to say this right now, I'm going to make a bold prediction for 2022. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's go. Dane Evans will be the East Division nominee for MOP. I could see it. That is what I think of Dane Evans right now. And it's time to go out and play, kid. You've earned it. Your time is here. Uh, your paycheck justifies, but you're the number one quarterback. Go out and play, and I expect them to have a lot of success. 
Yeah, I do. I do as well. And, you know, another clear reason to go this direction. You know, he he is a couple of years younger than Mazzoli is. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think he, he's only scratched the surface of his potential. I'm excited to see what he does here as a full-time number one guy in Hamilton. It also helped that he, he's got, you know, some of the most important pieces of his offensive line coming back. Chris Van Zyl signed to an extension, I believe. Uh, Brandon Revenberg, I think most recently, uh, just re-signed as well. So a couple big pieces that will certainly help uh, keep him upright, hopefully keep him healthy all season. And we'll see uh, if uh, your bold prediction there that I, I really don't think is actually that bold. Uh, I think it's a very fair assessment. We'll see how that plays out in 2022 for the Evans and the Ticats. Uh, sticking again with the quarterbacks, there's been a lot of quarterback movement so far this offseason. Let's go over to Calgary, uh, where, first of all, we got backup Jake Mayer signing a contract extension. Uh, there had been, you know, some talk. Maybe, maybe Mayer looks elsewhere, gets maybe a starting job somewhere of uh you know he started three games last year set a cfl record first one to throw for 300 yards in his first three starts each game um very good first year out of mayor there uh but he sticks around in calgary and uh after that we get the news bo levi mitchell uh restructuring the final year of his contract taking a bit of a pay cut this year to uh make room to uh keep mayor there in calgary uh, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love this situation and the way it's played out here for the Stampeders. I think, uh, you know, Bo's willingness to take that cut in the final year of his contract, uh, restructure things, let Mayer stick around there. I think this is a great opportunity for Mayer to get another year to, uh, to grow. And, uh, you know, who better to learn and grow from than, uh, than Mitchell and Dave Dickinson? I, I, I really don't think there's much of a better pairing you can grow from as a young quarterback in the CFL right now. And we see that over and over from Calgary quarterbacks in that system that turned out to be potential starters in the CFL. So uh, I'm happy to see Mayer kind of stick around in that backup role, get another year under him. And uh, we'll see what 2023 brings. That that will be the more interesting uh, time to me of what direction that Calgary goes at that point. Uh, but Bo Back is the starter here again. You know, bad year for him, real down year for him. Uh, let's see how he bounces back in another season that's hopefully injury-free for him. Yeah, you know what? I I agree with that. And I think much along with the line, uh, my, sorry, my words are a little... My, 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 my old right now. Um, but no, I, I think this is much along the lines of Trevor Harris. I think down year, um, circumstances, the off year had something to do with it. Uh, Mitchell's coming off a fairly substantive, uh, injury, I think, to his shoulder, um, which was, I think, before the season or early in the season and never, uh, really was the same. Um, Bo's contract allows both of them now to be under contract. Uh, Jake Mayer stays in Calgary to push Bo Levi Mitchell, which is something I don't think he's really had. I mean, he had quarterbacks in Brad Sinopoli, Michael O'Connor. There was a couple others uh, over the years, but none of them were, in my mind, a real legitimate threat to the number one quarterback position in Calgary, and this is a 
prove it year for Bowley by Mitchell to bounce back, if not in Calgary, to show the rest of the CFL that he can be a quarterback for, if it's not Calgary, can it be somewhere else? And if he falters early in the season, uh, I have no concerns with them going to Jake Mayer. And if he ends up being the better quarterback at the end of the season, then, you know, he's their future number one quarterback by all accounts. And then, you know, Bo has enough of a track record that speaks for itself. Um, I'm not willing to say that Bo, you know, his, his, his career is done by any means, but both quarterbacks are in show-me mode for not only their management, but the rest of the CFL. And I'm going to come out and say this right now. I do not see a scenario barring something really unforeseen where both those guys are in Calgary jerseys in 2023. Um, I think you can only much the same as Hamilton, which we just had a discussion about. Uh, I, I only see a scenario where one of those guys could be there in 2023, and they'll use 2022 to figure out who it is. And, and you know, Bo did a very, very uh, charitable thing. Charitable is the right word, but he did a very honorable thing. Maybe that might be a better word. Restructuring his contract for the betterment of the team. Uh, and now, as far as I'm concerned, the audition to be Calgary's number one guy in 2023 begins the first day of camp. Yeah, and, and I, I think this is a great spot for Mayer to be in. You know, like I said, another year to learn and grow here. How it maybe gets in for some games here this season. At the end of this year, Ben uh, has a couple of options. You know, maybe he ends up taking the 2023 starting role in Calgary. If not, uh, you know, if they do re-sign uh, Bo Levi for for another year or a couple of years at that point, maybe Mayer can you know look for a starting job uh, elsewhere in the CFL. I, I I think you know I think oftentimes we see guys kind of right away. You know, they have a, a, a good season potentially. You know, okay, let me test free agency, try to go out get a get a starting role somewhere else uh, after one year kind of thing. I like this idea of sticking with your team, getting better, and uh, maybe coming out and getting an even better, bigger contract the next year because I, I think this is the best system for him uh, to develop in and uh, should make for uh, good things to come. I'm excited to see what uh, what Jake Mayer is made of in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and, and especially in that division, the way that division is sh- shut out, it's you know, right now, anyway, the way I see it, three teams for, you know, interchangeable up at the top. I, I, I believe Winnipeg is going to come down a little bit to the field here, depending on uh, what happens here the rest of the rest of the off season. But I just can't see the Bombers being on. I think last year was a one-off as far as success. Now, I hope it isn't, but I, the realist in me suggests that we're in for a very competitive West Division this year between Winnipeg, Calgary, uh, Saskatchewan, BC to make some moves to to kind of get into there, but a lot has to kind of go right. I know we're going to talk about a big signing, but they made it in just a second here probably. Um 
But, you know, that whole West division is so competitive. The whole CFL as a whole is so competitive. You could have made a case for Montreal. You could have made a case for Hamilton. You could have made a case for Toronto. Uh, Ottawa is kind of the, you know, the one that's away from the path right now. But, you know, all things being equal and everybody kind of on the same trajectory at the moment with a lot of money to spend and a lot of free agents to sign for everybody and new faces in new places, things could change. And I'm still expecting a lot of surprises. I don't want to get into, you know, a free agency prediction quite yet, but I think there's going to be some sizable uh, faces in new places. Somebody significant is going to be going somewhere. And we'll tune in like the rest of us to figure out what is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, just rounding out this conversation on Calgary, uh, kind of, you know, Bowie by Mitchell. Yes, it's been a downward slide a little bit the last couple of years of him. He is also still one of the most, uh, if not the winningest quarterback in uh, CFL history. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think he's still a premier starter. I'm excited to see what he can uh, do this season if he bounces back. And uh, it would not surprise me one bit if we see him uh, return to, uh, you know, MOP uh, level, uh, but Levi Mitchell that we've seen in the past. Uh, do not write him off after a bad season or two. Uh, we go over now our final main topic, I think, of this episode of the podcast was, uh, is the, uh, the re-signing of Lucky Whitehead in BC. Uh, you know, fantastic year last year, I, I think, uh, you know, was fourth in the league in receiving yards. I think if he played another game or two uh, and didn't have that injury, he would have uh, probably, you know, had the league lead there. He was an MOP conversation uh, for a yep. lot of the season as well. A fantastic breakout year for him after his first year there in Winnipeg. Um, but the numbers come out on the contract and... This one shocked me a little bit. Lucky Whitehead, now the highest paid receiver in the CFL. Um, I, I think, first of all, I think a major raise for him is justified. And I think he's one of the most exciting up and coming players in the CFL. Uh, but does it shock you at all uh, that after the one good season, he, be, uh, he becomes the highest paid? Yeah, it, it does. And it- is it justified? Absolutely. Am I surprised? Absolutely. Um, because I think Lucky Whitehead should be looking at the other side of the formation. Hint, hint. At somebody that I think deserves a pretty sizable contract the way he's played. Um, not to say, and I'm not disputing, but, you know, Lucky Whitehead is not one of the top five receivers. I, I would clearly put Lucky Whitehead in the top five. Uh, that's not even a debate for me. Um, he deserves every penny he's gotten, but that much, I just, like, I, I'm surprised, and I wonder, I wonder if this is not a marketing plan 
part of this is a marketing uh, idea here to try to get people in seats. We saw what Lucky Whitehead did at the West Final here in Winnipeg, uh, showing in with the fans and the video that was on the Jumbotron. Really, really quite remarkable. Um, but if I'm BC, here's the here's the uh, thing for me. You pay the guy a lot of money, justifiably so. Uh, he becomes the face of your franchise. Let's face it. Uh, there seems to be some question as to whether I'm not sure if Mike Michael Riley is a free agent, but I, somewhere he, I read, I, I think he is. He is um, he is not a free agent, but there has been a lot of chatter on uh, the future of his uh, of his time in the CFL and whether or not he's contemplating retirement. I don't think there's been official decision any which way. Uh, but he's still, as of now, under contract. But there is, uh, there is, of course, the rumor mill on uh, whether he will be playing this year. The fact of the matter is, no, Ryan, and it's, it's, it's the same deal in Winnipeg. Your core players are probably your highest paid players in most cases, uh, whether that's the NBA, NHL, CFL, any lead, your core players are probably your highest paid players. This is a good move for for, uh, for uh, BC, but the highest paid receiver, um, I have a little, little bit of trouble with that. I would say top five, but is he justified to be the highest paid receiver? I'm not sure. And I guess by extension, I'm kind of looking to cross the huddle if you didn't pick up my uh, hint, hint earlier. I was talking about Brian Burnham and where it leaves Brian Burnham, who who is a pending free agent. And I, I think, Ryan, I told you uh, what I think is going to happen with, uh, with uh, Brian Burnham. Um, to me, there just seems to be a lot of marketing ability in Lucky Whitehead. And... Uh, it takes money to keep a premier player, and it just appears to me that it takes Lucky Whitehead being the highest-paid receiver to keep him in BC, which is good for the franchise, but needs a face of the franchise, but isn't necessarily a quarterback. So we'll see if uh, the contract justifies the way Lucky Whitehead plays, and. You have made this statement if you're BC management that Lucky Whitehead is going to be an important part of your team going forward. Yes, then let's do it. Let's have a drive that was in Winnipeg that started as a tip return if it couldn't get into the starting lineup. Uh, took him going somewhere else to get that opportunity and get on him. And sounds like he still has uh ties to this city here I- i'm excited i'm excited but i'm also a little bit surprised that he got the money that he got uh, the, the more as we were talking about this i was thinking about this more and more and here's why i think the money might make sense here uh and first of all like i said he deserved uh, a massive pay raise based on his play last year so i'm happy he's getting the money that, that he he deserves 
Um, the, the question mark that we're debating here, of course, is does this make sense from BC's standpoint, right? You, you have to think, if you take a look at the list of free agents, Lucky Whitehead, to me, feels like one of those guys that would be a very hot commodity across the board if he hit free agency. Such an explosive player. You get the ball to him, even behind the line of scrimmage, I can think of a couple of games where he took like a screen pass, like all the way to the end zone, a, a huge gain to the end zone, and just made the moves with his speed to get that done. He's a deep threat. Uh, you know, he's going to be a hot commodity. So yes, you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get him back under contract. But then even if you, you know, you're talking about, well, now does this mean, can you, uh, do you have room to fit Brian Burnham in here still? Let, let's say, and I don't have the insider info on this. I'm speculating. Let's say you get the feeling that you're not going to be able to bring Burnham back to begin with, right? Maybe he wants uh, a huge pay raise. Maybe he, you know, he wants to test free agency and go somewhere else. Well, then now you, you know potentially you're losing Burnham. Uh, now you, you need to make sure you lock up Lucky Whitehead early enough, right, so that you don't potentially lose your top two receivers here this season. So to me, I, I wonder if that played into it a little bit. You know, maybe this isn't, uh, oh, we re-signed Whitehead to a big contract. Now can we afford Burnham? Maybe it's we know we're not going to be able to keep Burnham. So we're going to go out and uh, make sure we keep Whitehead. Now they could uh, prove me wrong. And, you know, a couple of days from now, we find out Burnham has a new contract in BC and they managed to fit both of them in. But um, that's kind of maybe I see the logic here from BC's standpoint. And I think BC needs to die now to compliment uh, Lucky Whitehead. You know, one side of the formation is Lucky Whitehead, the other side used to be Brian Burnham. I have no no reason why they wouldn't get that deal done, I don't think. But how do you take your pressure off Lucky Whitehead to be able to put up these big numbers? Because if Lucky Whitehead is your only game-breaking receiver, other teams can find a way to cover Lucky Whitehead and you know, minimize BC's offense. Who is that other weapon that takes all the pressure off Lucky Whitehead? I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, Brian Burnham, independent free agent. We'll see if that deal gets done. Because uh, if it doesn't, he's a guy that I think would be in hot commodity with the other eight CFL teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Whitehead, one of the most electrifying players in the CFL, one of my favorite players to watch play and very excited for him to have that contract extension. And uh, we'll see what he can do in 2022, a second season in a BC uniform. Well, Mike, I think we're at about the time to wrap it up here. Uh, do you have any final quick, uh, super quick topics you want to discuss though, or should we get into the wrap up? Yeah, you know what? I I we I think we neglected to mention on this podcast, but I think it's interesting. However, that we have this discussion about Bowley by Mitchell uh, coming back for another season in Calgary under a restructured deal, and then we find out about a week or so later that Reggie Badelton has signed a one-year uh, contract extension. Uh, with Calgary after joining them late in the season. So 
You know, Mitchell just one of his primary targets batting Reggie Badleton over an 18-team season. Let's not forget about that fact um, as well. And, you know, I added Badleton was in an impossible position, uh, you know, to come in late in the season, play that playoff game against Saskatchewan. You know, he was one of their better players, but having, you know, very little time to prepare I expect Mitchell to have a bounce back year, and it's in part because Reggie Badleton is back in Calgary. Well said. Couldn't agree more. Uh, not to mention a huge player, uh, you know, tried to go to the NFL, uh, spent some time there, came back in, and good to see him sticking around for another season. Uh, you know, uh, we're always encouraged to see CFL players getting their shots in the NFL uh, but equally as exciting, you know, if it doesn't pan out for them, unfortunately, that they're willing to come back to the CFL and uh, stick around here like a guy like Bagleton has done. And I'm sure we'll see that with uh, more players along the way. Uh, just to wrap things up here, Mike, uh, so uh, we, we've recapped all the news as of late from around the CFL, or at least the biggest points here. Uh, next week, I, I will hopefully be bringing back another episode of the uh, the 2021 season deep dive, uh, which team we'll be talking about uh, to be determined at this point. Um, but we're going to continue that series probably in the next week or two again. Then we'll bring you back. So we'll give you another bit of a break because uh, we know we're you're very busy with work stuff, Mike. Uh, then we'll bring you back in, you know, free agency, February 8th. Uh, we'll bring you back in yet before then and probably talk about the latest uh, roundup of news again and maybe get into some free agency predictions. How does that sound? Sounds great. Uh, Ryan, I appreciate you uh, being flexible uh, to uh, work some pins around and allowing me a little bit of freedom uh, to still come on the podcast. So it's uh, great to be back for... Uh, I don't want to say one day only to they'll be back uh, probably later on in the off season, but uh, it was nice sitting down for an hour and uh, taking away the distractions about my everyday situation and talking football for an hour. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate having you back here, uh, my friend. It's been a blast for the past hour. So always enjoy getting to chat with you uh where can people find everything you got going on plug all your stuff before i wrap things up yep at twitter at my g-e-r-l-m-i-t-e-g-e-r-l um and then you can find us at game time tv mb so facebook.com that's us game time mb you can also search general media on facebook or go to game time tv.ca we have a very special interview coming out tonight, which will be out probably by the time this uh, podcast is out. Uh, for those that don't know, I have a little bit of a side date, and that's being the producer of the Jordan's 411 Sports Show. Uh, Jordan has a new uh, show coming out tonight. It'll be out by the time this podcast probably hits all platforms with uh, former NHL goaltender, current Calgary Flames television analyst and Hockey Night in Canada panelist Kelly Rudy. So I, I encourage uh, people to check that out as well. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Always great interviews that Jordan has and a great get for the guests this time around as well. So check out all of those things Mike mentioned and the continued amazing work he does with all of that. 
for our podcast, uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, the new handle that we introduced a couple weeks ago. You can find us on Facebook as well, whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on. We appreciate if you do all the nice, kind things that uh, help us grow the show, such as you know, leaving us a review, leaving us a nice comment, liking the episode, uh, sharing it with your friends and all of those great things. Uh, for myself, uh, if you're interested in the CFL fantasy side of things, uh, you can check out the Canadian Football Fantasy Fix over on YouTube. Uh, not much fantasy talk necessarily going on in the offseason, of course, but uh, we every week, uh, end of the week, usually Friday or Saturday, I do have video out there as well. Uh, this week, we'll be recapping uh, all of the latest news from the past two weeks uh, from around the CFL. Uh, so uh, we, we talked about some of them here with Mike, uh, but I'll go through uh, all of the latest signings and transactions there. Uh, the quick roundup of those. So you can check that out. The Canadian Football Fantasy Fix on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42 starts with a K. Uh, to get more on all of that and my CFL musings there. Uh, make sure you also check out all of the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Find them on Twitter at CF Pod Network. Lots of great content uh, from the other shows in the network as well. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and join in the conversation here with us and uh thanks again to michael for, for coming back for another week here and we'll talk to you again soon mike and we'll talk to the listeners again next week for michael garrell i'm ryan coop saying thank you for listening take care have a good one bye bye